Welcome to the Nature Pact podcast where we are talking about climate change and the new green economy. A lot of this debate started half a century ago with Club of Rome's report Limits of Growth. This discussion with Anders Wickman, who's honorary president of Club of Rome, was recorded late October on sidelines of Greenest Summit in Tallinn. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying the Nature Back podcast. I'm Merit, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Single Earth. And we're a team of more than 70 people building a nature-backed economy. And if that sounds crazy enough for you, then join us. Sign up at single.earth to be among the first to get access to our nature-backed tokens. And let's talk more on our Earthsavers Discord channel. Enjoy the show. Welcome, Anders. Thank you. Um, basically, 1972 report limits of growth was a wake-up call, but no one answered. What went wrong? I think it was, it was launched during a period of time when uh, uh, economies all over the world had been growing fast because there was a lot of build-up and reconstruction after the Second World War. Um, and people um, in general, including policymakers, uh, they were just aiming for a better standard of living uh, and better standard of living was interpreted as buying more stuff all the time. So um, I don't think the, the message was not very welcome. And at that time, the pressure on the planet was not as big as today. Exactly. Uh, but you know, today we have, uh, we are using three times as many materials and we are using maybe two times or even three times as much energy per year. So uh, the situation is much more acute now. Mm. Uh, but, but the limits report was, was an attempt to show that by, by working out, by developing different scenarios, uh, it would be possible to adjust your policy so that you avoided scenarios that were not pleasant. Mm. Uh, that was the purpose. Uh, and the book was not a doomsday report saying that everything is going to hell. No, it was not. It was containing four, five or six scenarios. And one of them, the business as usual, was, was really bad, was black. Mm. Uh, but, but there were others that were quite optimistic if you use technology-wise, if you, if you impose policy measures, if you control population, if you control pollution, you, 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 you will do fine. But then, uh, <coughs> you know, looking back, we probably have followed the black scenario. Yeah, I, mean, I think we, we, are, we, we follow sort of business or policy as usual mm. to a large extent. Of course, I mean, there are efforts. Uh, and uh, in particular in Europe, uh, I mean, the, the Green Deal is, is a good, good example of that. But if you look at the world at large, um, we are, of course, moving in the wrong direction. Um, almost every possible environment indicator is, is pointing downwards, not upwards. So, um, so I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not happy. I, I'm, I'm quite pessimistic, uh, I must say. Although I see possibilities, opportunities to do the right things, but, but it's, it's, there is a lot of resistance. Now, when uh, looking forward, there's also you know, a lot of European governments and around the world governments talk about the 2030, reaching some kind of the net zero targets, and uh, you know, basically everybody's saying that's not going to happen. 
and the biggest impact could be on some carbon prices ahead of this to offset the impact on the climate. Uh, is humankind somehow incapable of learning? Or? I think if you look at <coughs> Flot, sorry, if you look at history, major transformations were always happening in the context of crisis, wars, pandemics. <clears throat> so we are not good at um, changing course. There is, a, there is a Danish writer and he has uh, expressed a lot of uh, small quotes and one of them is that to will something is a habit. And if it's not a habit, <laughs> you don't want it. So, so I think we are, we, are, uh, we are resistant to change uh, as long as we think life is relatively good. Um, and um, also the kind of capitalist economy we have um, is striving all the time to expand, expand markets, sell more. Uh, and it's very difficult to... Uh, to interfere with that, because if you interfere with that, um, revenues are down, taxes are down, people are unemployed. Um, when taxes are down, the governments find it more difficult to support people. Uh, so it's it's a it's a downward spiral, spiral kind of. So so we we really need to be in, intelligent and to. Uh, step-by-step step organize the economy differently and, and, and of course also in this very competitive world uh, where you cannot do this alone you have to do it together with a number of countries I tend to think that Europe is big enough for that to happen but we also have tensions in Europe uh, tensions in Europe we have today we have also war in Europe yeah. we have a lot of geopolitical tensions between the different continents. Uh, the, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not as experienced as you, but also looking at the world, it somehow feels a little bit bleak. Yeah, yeah. And right now we are in a, I would say, almost perfect storm. We have Putin's aggression and all the consequences of that on food, energy, etc. And then we have an accelerating climate problem. Um, and uh, of course we don't know how big the risk is but it's pretty big mm. uh, and then we have uh, the erosion of ecosystems and biodiversity and then what I think is perhaps the most difficult question or burning question is rising inequalities because in order to deal with the long-term issues you need trust in society and, and the trust level is not very good. It differs from country to country but uh, look at the UK, look at the US, look at Sweden. We now have a 21% populist, xenophobic, nationalistic party uh, which is influencing the government. If somebody would have said that five years ago, Sweden? Nobody would have would have believed you, but mm. that's happening. Mm. Exactly. Um, but moving towards the kind of and I think it's it's very much it's very much caused by the arrogance among the elites over the last twenty to thirty years. Mm. This global economy where five to ten percent of the population they thrive, 
they like it, they travel a lot, they do business deals, etc. But more or less the rest of the population are either not really part of it or they are suffering from it because uh, labor or employment is moving from one place to the other, etc. So, so, so it's, it's been a, a very unfortunate development and I think we have to start by addressing inequalities. Mm. Um, kind of moving towards the idea that there could be a solution, what could be the kind of logical first steps? The, how, to, how to basically move towards solution? Well, first of all, I think there has to be a better dialogue between the North and the South, between industrialized countries and low-income countries. Uh, China is a special case. Um, they used to be a low-income countries. They are no longer. They are mixed. Uh, but um, all the low-income countries, where we ha- where we have some three to four billion people who earn, who live on less than three four dollars a day, it's a miserable life. So, so we need to do something about that. And then we need to address inequality in our own countries, and that you can do by taxation. You can do it by uh, what I proposed yesterday was a universal basic uh, dividend, um, taxing the commons, both the natural commons and the other commons, like uh, the internet, etc. Enormous uh, money, uh, amounts of money is being done in, in terms of profits. And these companies should pay a fee and uh, that fee should then be distributed, particularly among poor people. I think mm. we need some kind of those solutions. And then, of course, uh, the energy system. I think why it's so imp- difficult with fossil fuels is because each liter or barrel of oil represents, I don't know how many energy slaves. I mean, 100 years ago, before the fossil fuel area, we had muscle power and we have we have animals who helped us. Mm. Now, most of that is done by, by oil and gas and coal. Uh, and uh, that high quality energy is very difficult to replace. So we are so dependent on it. And, and before we can face it out, of course, we must put in place another system. And we haven't done that. We would need to quadruple or double five times mm. the investments in renewables, in storage, in green hydrogen. Some people say uh, nuclear. Um, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't favor that, but, but it will probably happen. Mm. But we need a, a different energy system, and, and that has to be built from, from bottom up. And it can be done. We didn't have the technologies 10, 15 years ago, but we do today. Mm. And then the food system is so important. Uh, the food system is very... Um, it's very risky because on the one hand, with all the inputs, fertilizers and pesticides, etc., we have achieved much higher yields, but we are also burning out the soils and the, the soils are eroded. So we need a different type of agriculture. And, and there, is a, there is a model, regenerative agriculture, where you disturb the soil as little as possible. You develop perennial crops, you build roots in the soil, you store carbon, it becomes more fertile. Uh, I think it's very interesting, it's very exciting. So these, these kind of uh, 
changes, I think, uh, would bring us on a better footing. And then, of course, materials have to be managed differently. This, these linear flows means that we threw away a lot of money because there is a lot of value in products that we discard and the materials embedded. Uh, but then it leads to a lot of unnecessary pollution because if we could instead renovate and, and refurbish with these materials, it would create very little disturbance. Now we have to dig new metals and minerals in, in, the, <laughs> in the earth's crust, yeah. etc. Yeah. It's... Um Regenerative farming is something which is uh, interesting and emerging, but uh, in looking, not being a specialist, looking at it from outside, it feels like it's very kind of local and small still. That when we have on the one hand side, <coughs> li like the you know the slide you were showing earlier today mm. of the all the cows, uh, mm. cows of this world and the pigs and the sheep, uh, how, bi how big uh, weight of the total yeah. Yeah. they have on the nature. The regenerative farming is probably, you know, in the near term. Well, but it's 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 more it's it's growing, um, and it's growing in the Midwest in the U.S., which wow. is which is good. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you can read. You can Google a guy called Gabe Brown. You can Google um, a guy called um, Montgomery, uh, David Montgomery. Google those guys, and you have you'll have a lot of good examples. It's growing in France, it's growing in Switzerland, it's growing in Ireland, in Scotland. Some big farms in, in southern Sweden, in Skåne, uh, apply this and they are very happy because they use less inputs, they don't plough, so they use less manpower, uh, so they have lower costs and they have at least the same yields, probably more. So I, I think I think we have to change the, um, the incentives in the agricultural policies, the, the, the European CAP, Common Agricultural Policy. Mm. Uh, it provides carrots for farmers and these carrots should look different. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to happen, but of course, uh, some of the big farmers who do very well with the present system, they fight it, they, they oppose, mm. of course. It's human nature. <coughs> yeah. You can't do much about it. Um, but, uh, you know, going, going forward, uh, our focus or my focus has been mostly on the climate over the yeah. last few years at least, if not longer. Um, but what can we do about the climate? I mean, uh, can we... Should the political sector start to move and put, uh, I don't know, big, bigger limitations on emissions or, or should we, you know, cre basically create the, the is, is the kind of carbon offsetting uh, business, this sounds like, mostly like indulgences trend. Yeah, yeah, no, well, some carbon offsetting is okay, some mm. is not, but, uh, but it's not a substitute, I think, mm. and... Uh, well, some people say that we should uh, declare sort of a war economy, um, like we did in a way during the pandemic in some countries. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I, I think we have to, if, 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 if people in general agree there is an emergency, we should also apply emergency measures. Um, and then, then uh, we would have to, th th then we could speed up mitigation 
but again, it's difficult in one country. We need uh, Europe can do it, mm. um, and uh, I think the Green Deal is somewhat of an effort. It should be stronger. Um, how to do it in the U.S., where you have a Republican Party that is against almost anything? I, I don't know. Uh, what to do about Russia? I don't know. Um, I think nobody, China? Nobody else no. Russia. And I, I've just read a book by uh, a Ukrainian author, woman, uh, Oksana Sabush, something, The Longest Day. Uh, and she describes how this mentality among the Russian elite towards Ukrainians to dominate, to dominate and, and, to, and to look down at, at Ukrainians have be, has been there for, for, for centuries. And it's not only Putin, that's the problem. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I don't know, I mean, it's, it, it, looks very, it looks very difficult. <clears throat> and um, somebody has to provide Putin an escape. Because he, 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 if he would turn up as a loser, that, that wouldn't work. Um, so I, 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 I simply don't know. China is a different thing. They are so long term. I think they, they realize that climate change is a very big challenge for them. And they already experience the, all these extreme weather events on this continent. So I think they, they, they are likely to do more and more. <clears throat> but if they do it together with us or not, I, that's a good question. And, uh, and um, the tension that's building up between the US and China is, I think, very unfortunate. Uh, but maybe I'm naive. Some people say that the Chinese are spying everywhere and uh, taking uh, our technologies, stealing our technology. I, 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 I don't know enough about that. But I would, I would submit that in this situation where we have so many challenges that affect all of us, we need more cooperation than less. We really do. So more cooperation. Yeah. Um, I mean, the UN? I think the Secretary General Gutierrez is, is, is a very good man. I think he is uh, very candid, he is very outspoken. Um, but of course, the limits are there, uh, and when you have uh, Russia at the Security Council, I mean, on security level, they can't do much. But uh, maybe they can do something on the climate level. Yes, um, and they can do a lot when it comes to humanitarian assistance and development cooperation. South-North balance, yeah. maybe the topics like that. And they have convening power, so it's it's a good place for dialogue, but. I think we need to change the format of the dialogues. These big conferences mean very little. Um, I was a member of something some years ago called the Telberg Foundation in Sweden. We organized big, big, big meetings, five, six, seven hundred people in a little village in Dalarna, in the middle of Sweden, in a big tent, once a year. And our, the title of the, the, the meetings was how on earth can we live together, we people, with nature? And that was really the... And we had conversations mm. at coffee tables among all these people for three, four days. Uh, and we need these kind of conversations where uh, we don't... I mean, we have had enough of, you know, speeches, one speech after the other, and 
governments making their points and then they travel back you don't solve anything by that you need you need much better conversations dialogues mm -hmm. so that that could be a, that could be a way to reform the UN <coughs> send them to central Sweden to discuss an attempt yeah yeah well it, it was it was good yeah I, I bet it sounds like a yeah. reason re kind of but we ran out of money so we had to to stop it unfortunately okay but the uh, yeah, run out of money that sounds like the, the story of the humankind yeah we run out of money for the good things exactly yeah no that's uh, um, looking forward you know what's the what's your next big uh, I don't know challenge or what will you be working in the coming months and quarters well I'm doing a lot of um, conferences on circularity and materials uh, because I'm a member in international resource panel and we are intensifying our work uh, and I think that's very meaningful because most people don't really understand materials we, they understand that energy is something we have to change but materials no so that's that's a pedagogic thing mm. Then I think this uh, book that we launched, Earth for All, with the five transformations, is very, very important. Then I have in the back of my head to write a book about uh, short-termism um, uh, versus long-termism, yeah. because short-termism is really the, the, the main problem in the economy. Yeah. Everybody is looking at the next quarterly quarter, yeah, instead of looking at the next 50 years or something. I got to learn, I got to know um, um, a chief from, from an Indian tribe in the US, uh, Oren Lyons, many years ago. And uh, I remember when he gave the speech, he said, you know, in my, in my tribe, we always take responsibility for the next seven generations. And that's that's kind of that's more or less a couple of hundred years. Mm, exactly. Th that's that's also kind of the right approach. <clears throat> we should do that. Uh, that was not so necessary, at least not globally, some fifty hundred years ago. But now it is mm. because now we are all very much in the same uh, same soup. Exactly, yeah, same trouble. Yeah, in that, in that soup. And so that that I, I hope I will be able to um, to write that book because mm. I think it's needed, and yeah. in Sweden it's going to be uh, the the title will be the damned shortsightedness. Mm. Uh, do you speak Swedish? Mm, very little. Den förbannade kortsiktigheten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The short termism challenge yeah. is uh, is definitely there, and it's. Uh, I, lo I love the seven uh, generation parallel. Yeah. Um, thank you for the talk. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Back Podcast. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture.
Electricast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.